to platform, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Spotify, they're all using algorithms. And they're all using algorithms in the same way on a macro level to collect, organize, and use data to find value for their customers. So you have to put yourself in the mindset of the business. How do I play the game for the business? Because the business needs to benefit Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Hustler Musician. This is your host, Alessa Ray. Thank you so much for being here again and supporting the show. This will be a very special episode for me and I guess for you, too, because we're going to be talking about Spotify. As an artist myself, I have to admit that a couple of times I got a, a little bit jealous about my peers because they were doing so well and wrapping the year with like a million streams. Whereas where I would wrap the year with like a thousand streams or last year, I think that I did like 12K streams. I, it got a little bit better. But every time that I feel jealous or I see that someone is doing better than me, instead of having like a negative feeling, I try to do my homework and find out how the person got there and just do research. And that's the beauty about this episode because we're going to be talking all about how Spotify works and how to target the right audience and all that. You know, having a great song is very essential to get people's attention. The number one is having a great song, of course, but also the marketing plan is very important as well. Otherwise, people are not going to know about you. And it's essential to know who your audience is in order to get new fans and also to know where you should be pushing the most. You know, this is an era where musicians have to figure out everything out because record labels are not going to waste their time and money signing and risking for someone who they don't know if they're going to work or not. Back in the days, A&R would go to bars and try to find and discover artists and develop them to make them a product. But nowadays, the industry changed a lot and it's going to keep changing because we have a lot of things and with social medias and technology as technology grows it's gonna be more all about us and a lot of my friends have questions about spotify streams and how spotify works and we all felt scammed at some point as well believe me that i know how that feels because i've been there so Officer House of Musician, you probably know. Today, I decided to bring this special guest to the show, and I wanted an expert to explain everything about Spotify. I worked with the Novo Agency on my last two songs that I released, and I had great results, and it helped me target the right audience. My last song called Can't Figure You Out, I got like 70,000 streams, and I got placements on Electro Swing Spotify playlists. And that was amazing because then I started to meet people from the Electra Swing community. And that was awesome. And now I, I'm actually writing a song with a producer who I met by the Electra Swing community. I was starting to join the community on Facebook groups. And it was that was really awesome. I got to meet people as well. Denovo is the only company that I would recommend to my peers if they, you really want to get your music heard and if you really want to get your song to the right audience. Elliot Talsley is the co-founder of Denovo and today he comes to the show to explain us how Spotify works and how to start your business and career as a musician. Elliot was a musician and like most of us, he also got scammed on his journey as a musician. And that's why he started this business to help musicians find their path without getting scammed. 
So, please welcome to Elliot Towsley. Thank you. Welcome, Elliot. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, I've heard, I heard that. I've seen that you have a podcast as well. We do, yeah. James Landry and I started one for DeNovo, and we're calling it The Business of Music. Oh my God, that sounds so interesting. Love it. I can't wait to hear you. Oh yeah, check it on out, and you can really get a full hour of me rambling on and on. So if you make it through the whole thing, then you are a trooper. I can't wait. I'm very excited for this episode. We're going to bring a lot of value. I just want to get started by the Novo. I want you to tell how did you get started by the Novo with the Novo because I know that you were a musician. Yes. Yes, I was. Yes. Yeah. So I started DeNovo Agency with my business partner, James Landry, probably like somewhere in 2017. It was kind of like an idea. Then it kind of like became like a side hustle and then eventually kind of became like, you know, our full time thing. But the reason James and I started doing work together, like in the first place was when I was still uh, making and marketing my own music, uh, I was his first client when he was a manager. So he had finished law school and wanted to like, you know, get into the world of being an agent or being a, a manager or something like that. And we went to college together. So he was like, well, who do I know that I could like make a case study out of? And he came to one of the parties my friends and I had and uh, he came to us mid party and was like, guys, guys, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. And I was like, okay, let's talk about it tomorrow. So basically see you as your manager. That's how it all kind of started. And then um, I had a lot of experience with making and marketing my own music and, you know, booking a handful of shows over the course of a few years. And I did like, I don't know, maybe 30 shows or something like that over the course of like five years. So like nothing crazy, but um, paid shows, fun shows. And like we had something going on and he did have, you know, something to manage. And um, him being an attorney where I had like the music and the marketing kind of side mm -hmm. of things, he had a lot of like the business and like the law things and like a lot of the details that like me and musicians often tend to overlook or ignore. Yeah. And so he taught me a lot of things about why an LLC is, an, is important. And like, even though music is a really fun hobby and it's like something I don't consider like a job is still considered a business like in the eyes of the government and the IRS. And there's a lot of benefits to having a business. And um, so we, we help musicians try to take advantage of that and those kinds of things. So I heard in your podcast and in your Instagram that you've been scammed many times when you were a musician. It's my case and it's the case of a lot of my friends as well. Can you tell us how can you spot a scammy service? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So um, I'm a musician. I was marketing myself, my own tunes for a long time. And if you're a musician trying to market your tunes, I bet we're alike in that we have all been scammed at least once or like fallen victim to somebody who you were like, okay, I'm kind of skeptical, but I'll give it a try. And then like two days later, you're like, I was right. I should have never trusted this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of that. Oh my and, God. and like the, it's tough because each promoter is like their own business. So even though there are good ones, but yeah. it's, you know, there's kind of like no reg there's no regulating body of this industry like some people are just shady and some it's it's 
in terms of like making a bot, just like Instagram, like we all have seen accounts. Yeah. And they got 50,000 followers in the last video they posted yesterday had 18 views on it. Like in two seconds with like the eye test, you can be like, these are clearly fake or like your Instagram's broken, bro. I don't know. Cause a lot of artists want to look like they have a following and they want to jump a step and they don't want to build a following. They want to look like they have a following. So it's really enticing when some website says for $99, we'll guarantee you get 25,000 monthly listeners. The thing is, when it comes to spammy Spotify in particular, give it the eye test. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Number one. Number two, if they say, give us 50 bucks and you'll make $65 in royalties. No. That's not how it works because if somebody had some sort of legit system that way, why would I share it? If, if it only costs me, because you know that they're selling it to you for 65, that means hypothetically it costs them 30. But if it is generating $65, why would I share that? I got the oil well right here. Go away. It's all mine. That doesn't make any sense. So give it the eye test. If it seems too good to be true, it is. If they're saying that they can have um, or they have some sort of partnership directly with Spotify playlists, meaning like Rap Caviar or like any editorial playlist, that's not true. Spotify doesn't open that up to like the public. And if it is, if some guy was kind of in the in the works and it was legit, they would not be advertising it because they would get fired. Even though Spotify is a publicly traded company, Sony can buy parts of Spotify right now. They own, I think like 12%, something like that. So like, it's not pay to play directly, but it's kind of like, Hey, nudge, nudge. Hey, we own 12% of your company would suit. It'd be really great if, you know, our artist was in rap caviar next week and they go, Hmm, yeah, let's see what we can do kind of thing. So no third party company, no guide, no, nobody has direct access to the editorial playlists that are, they're selling some sort of service with. If they do, it's very hush hush. It's behind the scenes. It's not marketing. It's like, Hey, okay, I'll do you a favor. Cause I have an in here, but you have to shut up about it. So oh. that's a big one. And then just the guarantees in general, think about it. If you have a playlist and it's legit and it's 50,000 people are on your playlist. How can I guarantee that a certain number of them, an exact number of them will listen to your song? Yeah, there's no way. No, because a stream is only counted after 30 seconds. One, I can't guarantee that everyone on the playlist is going to be active that month. There's a lot going on in the world. Maybe they're not looking for music right now. We've Mm -hmm. seen that a lot. But if the guarantees are like, we guarantee you'll get exactly 20,000 streams and at least 500 follows and at least 250 saves, how can you guarantee that? Because what if the people, what if the song is garbage? The song is fantastic. Is it going to get 3,000 saves or does it get exactly 1,500? That's weird. Yeah, and for the novel, for example, uh, when they want to work with you, they have to submit first your music so that you can analyze if you can work with it, right? Oh, absolutely. Because the way that DeNovo works is we partner with these playlister people. Mm. So they're all like their own separate business. And the, the line that they're walking is their business is an audience. They have a playlist. So they're in the business of keeping their audience happy. They're like a micro Spotify. If they start putting just any old song in there and their audience says, what is this? And they stop coming. They don't have anything of value anymore. 
So the line that these curators have to walk is, okay, well, I need to have enough of music in here that I have curated like myself to like make sure that this playlist is decent. But I'm also going to open up 40% of the slots to people who are willing to pay, but I'm still going to screen them. It's not a first come first serve. Whoever wants in gets in because we have to walk the line of keeping the audience of the playlists happy and coming back. Because if we just throw hot garbage in there for three months, then in three months, no one's going to be listening to it. And oh shit, we're out of work. To get an editorial playlist, you know, there's a submission, but they're not going to accept you if you're not big in, in Spotify. So you have to build that credibility first. You have to build your following. You have to build your listeners, right? Can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah. So the, I, I would say you don't necessarily have to be big, but you have to have enough engagement that Spotify can start to see, oh, okay, this song is a value add for people who seem to like this kind of music. So the editorial playlists and the algorithm don't listen to your song. They analyze the data of the people who are listening. So they don't hear a song and say, wow, this sounds like a Jennifer Lopez song. Mm. They, over time, analyze the data from the people who are listening. And if the data suggests that people who also like Jennifer Lopez seem to like you, that's how it learns that Jennifer uh, Lopez is a similar artist to you. So whereas algorithmic playlists like Discover Weekly and Release Radar Each individual user on Spotify has their own unique release radar and Discover Weekly, meaning I have my Discover Weekly, you have yours. Yeah. Based on your listening habits will be different than mine. Mine probably has some weird artists you have never heard of. <laughs> But um, an, an editorial playlist, like the biggest one everyone seems to know is Rap Caviar. That's an mm -hmm. editorial playlist. Yeah. If you and I each go on Rap Caviar, we will see the same Rap Caviar. So anyone can search it and find it and it will be the same for everyone. Whereas Discover Weekly, mine and yours will be different. Do you have any client who was an editorial who got it? Yeah. So like there are, you know, there are smaller editorial playlists that have 15 or 20,000 listeners. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's not zero, 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 two million. So there are some small ones. And the way it works is typically you get this. Sometimes you get people who catch it right away. For some reason, the, algorithm can determine it's a value add quickly you just have to submit it that very likely is very is very likely to not happen and how how do you make it happen the way you make it happen is if, if it's your first song you have zero chance mm -hmm. unless you have an in and you know somebody you you're at a label or something somebody knows you and they'd say this girl's gonna be good let's put her here mm -hmm. that's a different story if you're just somebody on the internet recording in your house And your, it's your first song, you, I would say, have a 0% chance of getting on an editorial playlist because they don't know who you're... A, there are 40,000 songs uploaded on Spotify a day. They do not need to look very hard to find songs that are decent, songs that are good. So they don't. Why would they waste the time like mm -hmm. digging for the... What they need to do is... What you need to do as an artist is if you can generate some sort of traffic, two, three, four, five thousand monthly listeners, Enough where Spotify can start to understand, hey, you know, people who are 20 to 25 in Houston and Dallas and Phoenix 
seem to like this girl for some reason. We don't know yet, but let's find, let's test this market a little bit and see if this music is indeed a value add. And they'll test it by putting in maybe 500 Discover Weekly playlists of people who like fit that description. Mm. And if they see that, wow, 309 of them saved the song, we're on to something here. Okay, this song is a value add for people that like this, mm. that fit this description. And then they might go 5,000. And that could happen over the course of three months. It could happen in three days. If Spotify gets a ton of data, quickly can, can quickly learn who you're a value add for, they will spread it quickly. But generally, it takes time because you need to give it the data that it needs to kind of like feed on. And be consistent, right? Well, yes, you need to be consistent. But one of the biggest things that I try to get across to musicians is consistency doesn't exclusively mean new music every two weeks. You need to, you need to consistently be generating engagement. No matter if it's an old song. If you're someone who has a million people following you, no, you probably can't market a song you put out last year. But if you're okay. at the beginning and you're kind of looking to acquire a target audience that you then over time make a fan base out of, think of it as like if you're running, if you work at Nike and you have a new pair of sneakers out right now and you have 10 advertisements that you've made for these sneakers and you start, you test the market a little bit on, on all 10 advertisements. If advertisement number three and number seven get the most clicks and the most sales, but they're old, do you, if they were made six months ago, it's yeah. not, do you, do you really care? No, because it's about the results. So if you have five or seven songs out and you've kind of tested a little bit and you're starting to see, hey, you know what? Song number four always gets more saves. People mm -hmm. seem to like this one. Well, then for now, Take that, take advantage of the data that Spotify is showing you. Mm -hmm. And if it's saying, hey, the iron, it's kind of hot here, mm -hmm. rather than saying, okay, let's keep throwing out new songs and see what sticks. You're, you have one that's sticking a little bit. Let's put more fuel behind this song mm -hmm. so that if we can get Spotify's attention with it, we can start getting on 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 Discover weekly playlists. Now we have an audience, some sort of audience, to then release new music to. And a oh. lot of musicians, they like, yeah, well, consistency is key. And I'm like, correct. But consistency doesn't exclusively mean new music every two weeks for okay. the sake of being new. What are some mistakes that musicians consistently do? And what is something that pisses you the most about musicians? Well, I'm, I think... I don't necessarily get pissed because I've made the mistakes too. Oh, and I like, I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And like, I've made the mistake long enough and I'm old now so <laughs> that like, I can like teach you young kids not how to not do it. Like I did like, Nope, that's a mistake. And let me tell you why, because I did this, this, and this turns out I should have done this. And here's why but that's a lot of what the consultation calls are like here at DeNovo. It's like, I did something similar to this. Let me give you my two cents. It didn't work out for this reason. Cause I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> But yeah, but like everybody, it's all trial and error. Nobody, if there was a golden book yeah. that you yeah, well, step one, do this. And okay, by the time you yeah. get to step number 10, you'll have a big famous music career. <laughs> like there is no, you know, so like one, you got to find what works for you. Yeah. And like, if you're really good at making videos on Instagram, like stick to that, stick to that for now. Like you don't necessarily need to learn how to, oh, well, I got to pick up Twitter. Like, yeah, get familiar with it. But like, if you're good at what you do on one area, just trickle down on it for now. Mm. Get some sort of something going 
where now you say, okay, I've got something going. Okay, cool. Now, okay, I'll find somebody to do, to do my Twitter for me or like something. How do pre-save links work? How can an artist get more pre-save? Is, is there any promotion method before the release? Yeah. So this actually ties hand in hand with um, focusing on old music first. Okay. So a lot of times if you're doing a pre-save, you have to upload it at least 30 days in advance. Um, and if, if that's the case, that means it's going to be available for a pre-save for, you know, 30 days or so. What I would do is as soon as it's live, I would overlap the promotion. And I mean, through the prism of our program of how we work on Spotify, if, I, if you know that the pre-save is essentially your landing page, uh-huh. you want to get people to your landing page to hit that save button. Well, to me, the best advertisement to get somebody to a landing page on Spotify is if you promote an old song and if it's in a playlist and somebody hears it on shuffle and they go, I like this song, who's this chick? And they hit your profile. The first thing they're going to see is new song coming out in three weeks or whatever. Do you want to save? And they're going to go, oh, okay. You know, that's the theory. I'm, I'm sure it happens 6% of the time or something low, but like net consider going to Instagram, you post a picture of your album cover and it's a song coming out next month, pre-save now on Instagram. Those are really ineffective because Like you might get some overall engagement on Instagram, but in terms of like, like conversion into a listener, it's very low because they're on Instagram. That means they're in Instagram mode. They're not necessarily looking yeah. for new music. Like they don't know who you are. So like they don't necessarily give a damn when your song is coming out. If it's with, if I saw an Eminem ad or whatever, I'm a big Eminem fan. Like I would be like, oh sweet, his new song. I'm going to pre-save because like, I know him. I'm a fan already. Yeah. If you're someone, if I don't know who you are, like why, like the ad, I almost say, why are you telling me about the song that's coming out next month? If you have songs out now, like get me to listening to you now so that I just naturally want to check out your pre-save. Yeah. That's also another thing that I, that, that I found out that on Instagram, like promoting on Instagram, I, I don't, I didn't see that much results. I didn't see people clicking that much. What I, the, the result that I've seen on Instagram is for example, if you do an appealing video, okay. because Instagram, it's all about look, it's all, all about appealing more than audio. Yeah. Big time. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like eyes and ears attention in general is what you're going for, for as an independent artist. And like, you can't like ignore Instagram. I think you can promote your brand. Like you said, I, you can promote yourself on Instagram, but it's tough to promote your song mm. on Instagram if you don't really have a following. It's one, if you have 30,000 passionate followers on Instagram, you can promote your audio to them because they're a fan of you. When they hear it, they're willing to go, oh, sweet, his new song or her new song. I'm going to check it out because I'm already a fan. Yeah. But if you're new, somebody brand new, they don't care. So would you say that triggering the algorithm is a way for people to listen to your music, right? I think that's like the gatekeeper between like, you know, having something small going on and having something going on. Because if you can create enough of your own buzz, whether it's, I don't know how, I don't care how. You're getting blog articles, you have people who make playlists, you're playing shows, whatever it is to generate enough data that Spotify on a whole can see, wow, this person has something going on and 
it's a value add for people who look like this. Mm. And it's Spotify's whole business model is to get music to people and have the people like that music without them having to look for it. The algorithm is literally putting songs on a platter and going, this platter is tailored to you. Check mm -hmm. it out. And Spotify's business is if that person, each they, uh, Discover Weekly and Release Radar each have 30 songs, I think, no matter what. So if the person has 30 songs and then they check it out on Shuffle and they go through and they listen, they go, you know, I loved 22 of these songs. Wow, I can't wait until next week. That's their business. If at the end of Discover Weekly, somebody goes, eh, I like two or three of those. Are they going to be pumped about Discover Weekly next week? Not really. Yeah. So that's Spotify's entire value add right there. Because if hypothetically Spotify and Apple Music were purely just places where all of this music was available, and that's it, then it wouldn't be like 80-20 Spotify, Apple Music. It'd be like 60-40, maybe 50-50. Yeah. Because if all it is is this music is available, like, okay, I can find whatever song I want. Nice. But that's not what it is. Spotify has all the music available, but what it does is it analyzes your listening habits and gives you a sophisticated, unique menu of songs that you in particular are going to like or that they think that you're going to like. And then when you listen to it, you go, well, I did like 20 of those. Generating enough information where the algorithm starts to see, ah, 20-year-olds in Phoenix who listen to Jennifer Lopez seem to like her. Let's find more people that seem to be like this because this song is a value add. And we're in the business of spreading value. What would be the best advice that you can give to musicians? Be willing to try new things in both the music and how you market it. And don't go in blind and don't release music over and over and over again for the sake of being new without a plan. And the best time to release a song is when you have a plan and a budget to make it successful. It doesn't matter what day of the week or the third Tuesday of November is the best time. It doesn't matter if you don't have a plan and don't have a budget doesn't matter. Most of the mistakes also that I think that a lot of artists do is that they are hungry to get in a label. And nowadays, label don't care anymore about you. It is. And the more you can build up yourself now, and the more you can build up the metrics and the data to then use as leverage with these recording companies or whoever it is, if you have data, you have leverage. And if you have leverage, you have options. And if you don't have leverage, any deal you're going to get is a take it or leave it kind of deal because you don't have any leverage. So what do they do then, the record labels today? They just take uh, artists that are already developed, right? Pretty much. Record labels are essentially banks now. They loan you in advance and then they, they do the math on if how much they can make if you do X, Y, and Z sales. If we give them this much money up front, we're going to get this much money in return, just like a bank. You want a mortgage? Here's $500,000, but it's going to cost you $200,000 to get it over the course of 30 years. So what record labels do now is they, they do not find a diamond in the rough and develop an artist mm -hmm. out of nothing. They don't take, they do, they're not in the business of making something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. They are in the business of taking something and multiplying it by 50. But when they do that, If they get something and multiply it by 50, that means 
they need they can do that with 50 artists and they can strike out 48 times and like make their money back you only need if one makes you know okay cool and that's what they're doing let's sign 50 people who are all got something going on seem somewhat talented and you know what two of them make it big we make all our money back yeah and they also don't want to spend their time and their money uh actually developing an artist it depends which artist you are if you're making them a ton of money you're going to get a lot of resources it's just like any other business the thing is is like record labels are always cast in this awful light and the thing is it's like it's just business it's the way it is it's capitalistic america music <laughs> industry like what did you expect everyone to be wow i can't wait to do you a favor and just be so nice and never not get anything in it for myself sure like you get the p you get people who want to help no doubt but like it is a business it's a billion dollar business and it's just like football if you're underperforming you're cut from the team goodbye we've we've invested enough in you goodbye and nobody seems to say hey the cowboys are dickheads but when record labels do it and like i mean not to like defend them but just to give a little dose of like relativity to it this is the game i don't know what you expected not you music musicians yeah. i don't know what musicians expected <laughs> but this is the name of the game this is the game you signed up for and sometimes we get pushed back from artists who are like well i just want to like make music i just want to enjoy it and i'm like Fine, then sit at home and enjoy it. And don't complain that the industry is not working in your favor if all you want to do is make fun music. That's awesome. But if you're in the game of trying to like promote it, mm. you can bitch and complain about the rules to the game all you want. But the game is the game right now. That's something that pisses me off, I guess. Like just, just a bad, like, just kind of like, what did you expect? When when that happens, that's when I get a little bit. Another common mistake that I see is that a lot of times musicians put a lot of money in production, in in their craft, which is good, but then they forget about the promotion. Oh, yeah. I mean, what I like to say is something, I don't know if we created it or not, but we call it the music marketing multiplier effect. And if you get a song that's, but so you have the song and you have the marketing. Each on a scale from one to 10, and you multiply the two and see what the score is. So if you have an eight out of 10 awesome song, mm. but you only give it a three out of 10 marketing, you get a 24. Yeah. If I have a five average song and I do a five average marketing, I get a 25. And that's better than having an eight that I barely marketed or didn't market correctly. Or if you flip it and you say, okay, well, I have a five out of 10 song. It's okay. But I marketed the hell out of it the right way. I did an eight out of 10. Now I got a 40 and it's almost twice as good as having a great song that you don't know how to market. A little bit uh, about how do the other platforms work? Because now I know that the leading one is Spotify, but what about the other ones? The other ones at this point are essentially playing catch up. Um, I mean, you didn't even see... It's, it was so weird to think that iTunes was still a thing like a year or two ago where people were still, they thought people were still going to go and pay money per song. And now iTunes isn't even up anymore. It's just Apple Music. So the other streaming platforms are very much playing catch up. But the platform, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Spotify, whatever, they're all using algorithms. And they're all using algorithms in the same way on a macro level to 
collect, organize, and use data to find value for their customers or their audience. So you have to put yourself in the mindset of the business. How do I play the game for the business? Because the business needs to benefit, not just you. So if you can make engaging content that Instagram says, this is great content. We're going to show it to more people who like Neumann mics. Because a lot of people who are engaging with this post are talking about Neumann mics and they learn that quickly. So it very quickly will end up on explore pages for people who are talking about Neumann mics because the algorithm is looking to give value to its users. And if it has a thousand people that know are really into Neumann mics and here we are talking about it, it will find it if you get enough engagement to like peak its interest. On a macro level, all of the platforms are analyzing data in the same macro way. Their, their recipes on how they come up with their decisions is different, but the algorithm is meant to collect, organize, and use data. The name of the game on Spotify is getting, or all of the music distribution platforms that operate on some sort of recommended for you, hey, check this out playlist, it's just generating enough information because they don't share the information. So if you have a shit ton of followers on Apple Music and are trying to grow on Spotify, it doesn't like communicate. So you need to generate your own information on Spotify so that Spotify can learn who your listeners are. Do you think a YouTube video, like a good music video can help your streams? Yeah, I think so. A music video is a great way to extend the overall life of like a campaign for a song. Um, I'll say like if you have an EP with five songs on it and you put it out and after two months of promoting it a little bit, you find that song number three is the one that's getting the most saves. Well, now you know which song you should probably do a music video for. Then you can promote song number three a little bit leading into the music video and kind of extend the life with a different kind of content later on. I would say that as an up and coming, up and coming artist, you only need one really good music video to start. I think anything after that is unnecessary um, because they're a lot of money. They take a lot of time and they're a lot of money to promote. And when you get people listening to it on YouTube, you don't directly monetize it until much later. And like, if you think the royalties are bad on Spotify, you should check out YouTube. So you only need one really good, well done, high quality video. You only need one to start. That's enough to show a venue that you take your shit seriously. Enough to show a featured artist that look, I've got some good visuals. You only need one. You don't need seven. It's better to have one really good one than six okay ones, I think. I mean, people can debate that. But it's just tough to debate, uh, to promote on YouTube because there's so much content. Do you think that if you want to get like music placements and all that, Spotify can help you and to get to the ears to music supervisors and all that? Oh, yeah. So eventually, so an editorial playlist will work like say, okay, the editorial playlist has 40 slots on it and the editor can, he found 25 just on his own and he, okay, cool. He's like, but I need 15 more. So he says, hey, algorithm, here's what my listeners tend to listen to in my playlist. I need 15 songs that fit this. What it'll do is it might give it a list of 50 songs that fit that description. And then the editor goes in and chooses 15 of them. So it's chosen by an editor, no doubt, but like a pool from which it's chosen was generated by an algorithm. Because there's no way now an editor is sitting there and listening to 40,000 songs a day and saying, this one might fit here. Cool. I can't wait. That's not what's happening. You know, yeah. There's not a team of people listening to these songs. 
that, you know, oh, wow, this one, this one's good. We got a winner over here. <laughs> That's not what's going on. It's all, it's a computer. And, and the computer doesn't anal, it doesn't necessarily listen to the song and say, wow, this sounds a lot like Mariah Carey and this song did really well in, in Oklahoma. Let's put it over there. It's based on the engagement of people who are engaging with it right now. Wow. We should have a part two or something though, that, so that we can keep talking about this. I love everything that you're sharing with us today. Thank you so much for being here, Elliot. I really appreciate your time. Is there something that you want to promote? Well, you know, if, um, if any artist is interested in learning more of me rambling on about how to market on Spotify, we do have some free resources at denovoagency.com. We have an independent artist toolkit that has a bunch of cool resources and tips on how to market music online. And you can get that for free on our website and check out the Business of Music podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I highly recommend De Novo for every musician who wants to grow their Spotify, who wants to target their audience, who wants to get more listeners. I've worked with them. I have experience with them. They are super professional. And this is not a sponsored podcast just for you know. So please check them out. Thank you so much for listening. 